sank the dark clouds deeper and ran the wild moon hunting alive with fur and feather as omen apparition we left the moon suspended and leapt back onto the ground Hello, welcome to episode 28 of the Antipodean Arts Podcast. I invite you to notice your breath. And I invite you in noticing your breath to become aware of your connection to space and place. And Brody Ann and I are, as most always is the case, um, in Karilpa, in the place of the water rat, um, the land, the, the traditional country um, tended to for generations by the Yagara, Jagara and Turrbal peoples and their families. And I acknowledge the, um, the imperialist and colonial violence and injustice and systemic oppression that is continuing. And I acknowledge the survival and strength of the first peoples. I acknowledge their elders past and present and emerging and all their ways of kinship, action, ceremony, song, art, agriculture, science, that links them to the dreaming powers of this country and to sovereignty here. I acknowledge the First Peoples and I acknowledge any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander or First Nations person who is listening to this call. I acknowledge you. Okay. So Brody Ann. Hello. Hello. We're here thank in episode 28. I know. Thank you for that beautiful um, acknowledgement of country. Yeah. It's what we do. It's the bare minimum. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how have you been of late? Well, that's the question, isn't it? You keep you run into people during all this and you don't, you know, quite know how to answer that question. Yeah, okay. I don't, I don't. I don't know either. I know. I do it out of politeness, but you know, also because I want to know. You want to check in? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I remembered to put pants on and shoes <laughs> and brush my teeth. I did get into the wrong Uber outside my house. It oh, was just sh- a man parked at the car, oh! like <laughs> the park. He was really nice about it. Okay. Um, Orkies. Re- yeah. He, yeah. It was beautiful. He just pointed to the car across from him. Um, but yeah. So I, I'm here. So that's that's yeah. good. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I'm very, very happy to see you. Yeah, Lovely. you too, as always. <laughs> Brody Ann has done something wonderful with her hair. <laughs> I it don't looks, know if it's it, wonderful. Well, it looks like some solar goddess has kissed you. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah this was this just what came out. Mm. Yeah. Appropriate as we had, oh, well, we, we've pa- technically we've passed midwinter by the time yes, this comes out. This but, comes you know, out, midwinter season. We hope you all have had a beautiful Yule. Yeah. Um, a cool Yule. A cool Yule <laughs> and a nice time with your loved ones yeah. and your chosen family. Yeah. And, to and your our, blood family. Exactly. And your ancestors. Yep. And to our Northern Hemisphere listeners, mm. um, a happy midsummer as yeah, well. Happy to midsummer. You. Um, so we have an exciting guest. I've been trying to get him on for a while, been battering him for a while. Finally hoodwinked him. <laughs> so um uh, I met Andrew uh, a few years ago when I was actually living in Wurundjeri country or so-called Melbourne and a um, uh, very handy person to meet um, because he's just a very uh, erudite and eloquent and grounded um, priest of the Wicca and he is a Gardnerian high priest and he has also been involved in Alexandrian um, craft as well. Uh, so 
yay, this is good because I, like many people probably have, have had in the past and probably still do, um, misconceptions, um, about traditional Wicca. Um, so it's good to have someone who is an initiate, um, speak to what they can speak to of, of those things. And then, especially if there are people who are drawn to those parts who listen to this podcast, then mm. they can like have some clarity on that too. So welcome, Andrew. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you so much for being with us. Well, thanks for the invite. Of course. <laughs> so it would be lovely to, um, yeah, just hear from you. What drew you to Gardnerian witchcraft? Yeah, what drew to, drew you to Gardnerian witchcraft? Oh, <laughs> and that's that's another one of those sort of questions that's actually really hard to to sum up yep. concisely. Um, in so many ways, it feels like like the, the, the culmination of, you know, the, the direction that my life had been heading, um, you know, from a very early interest in, in folklore and mythology, um, fantasy books, all of that kind of stuff, and then stumbling across, um, oh, what was it, Man, Myth and Magic magazine. In, Love it. <laughs> in a, yeah, in all places, a school library. And, and flicking through that, you know, as, as a teenager, flicking through that and, and finding some articles about some of these, you know, like the really early Gardnerians and, and their witchcraft and going, oh, wow, this is like totally mind-blowing that, you know, this stuff is happening. And, and just the way that was presented, the atmosphere that it evoked, um, and the just, you know, the, the notions of the, the goddess of the moon, um, the reverence for nature, and, of course, you know, that horrid god just really resonated and, you know, Pretty much from that point on, I was looking for it. I think we have all kind of spoke about that myself, being that kid, this is, you know, pre-internet, in the school library, finding that one book that we just clung to and that really opened up a whole world for us and that we'd squirrel away and keep, I mean, I remember getting in trouble because I'd borrowed it so many times in a row. And you have to, you know, you'd write your name in the front and and they'd stamp it. (laughs) Yep. But that was where we discovered discovered this our paths in a way. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I, I know that um, you know because it was actually a Christian college that I went to, and, and there were apparently teachers very concerned for the state of my soul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to say that I'm perfectly happy with the state of my soul. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, Wicca is an interesting term because I think you know in the states especially it. Um, was and is used sometimes continuously um, as a cognate or equivalent to, I guess, modern witchcraft in general. Mm. Um, mm. And so a lot of people hear the term and they, like, they'll like they ask me when they find out I'm a witch, oh, a Wiccan. And sometimes I can't be bothered, so I go, yeah, sure, something like that. Um, or I say, actually, no, what you're referring to is its own lineage and tradition, um, and I'm not of that, mm. but I am a witch. Um, so I guess it would be lovely to hear your reflections, your personal perspectives on maybe even the usage of the word Wicca, but what, what that word means to you. <laughs> you do love the complex ones, don't you? Oh, he's do- he doesn't, you know, start small, Andrew, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> straight yeah. in. Uh, and it, it is, it's an interesting one and it's a, it's a convoluted and nuanced discussion too. Um, you know, if, if, you can start with the linguistics of it um, because basically Wicca or, or more properly Witcher is just an old English word um, that means witch, which are, which are depending on whether it's masculine or feminine. Um, 
and it was one of a range of different words in that language to refer to workers of magic of various different varieties. Um, and I'm fairly sure that like Gerald Gardner latched onto that um, and, and actually used Wicca, um, ironically mispronounced from an old English perspective, but um, as a perhaps a slightly safer word than which. Um, but like in, in those very, very early days, they, they absolutely, it was synonymous. Um, you know, they used them synonymously, but there was really no other kind of obvious or, or visible uh, expression of witchcraft at that time, um, certainly not in England. But, you know, mo- moving forwards, it didn't take all that long before you did get other other forms of witchcraft starting to, to appear and, and, and then these discussions backwards and forwards. And, and from that point onwards, um, at least until... Like the, the explosion of the internet and publishing, uh, Wicca really did refer to those um, those two, I guess, main witchcraft traditions that, that do stem directly down from Gerald Gardner, being Gardnerian, and then you know the Alexandrian, um, which is you know via Alex and Maxine Sanders, and and in many places, certainly in the UK, I think if you say Wicca, that's still what pretty much anybody. Will assume you mean mm. in, in in the states here in Australia for that matter. Um, yeah, it's become a much more broad, broadly used term to just refer to neo pagan witchcraft in general. Um, and you'll get people who, who talk about being Wiccan but not being a witch and, and not working magic. It's they're just purely about the like that more religious side of things. And hey, you know that that's their. That's their thing. That's mm. fine. Um, can't argue with them using the word. I think that that horse bolted from the stable decades ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it's one of those where you, I guess, you have to be a little bit careful in, in pinning your definitions down for any given discussion, um, because it, it's easy to to misinterpret what people are saying. Because uh, when I talk about Wicca, yeah, almost always it'll be about traditional Wicca, you know, mm. Gardnerian or Alexandrian craft, um, but. For many other people, it's a much, much broader term. I think it's almost a, a more palatable term. I find that people aren't mm. as as scared of it or, um, again, mm. because of their um, ideas about what that word means. Um, yeah. How do you think or, or could you kind of um, explain a little for us or open it up a bit more what um, your practice is like and, and how you would describe it? I know, I'm sorry. Oh, really hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's one of the things about Wicca is these these pesky little oaths that we take. So I know, and what you can difficult. say. Yeah. Yeah, to, to, to dance around. Mm. Um, but, yeah, for me it is it is absolutely, it's, um, and, you know, I should emphasise here, I'm talking about, you know, me personally. Yes. I cannot speak for others, um, but for me it, it's, it's a little bit of, of both. It, it is that real mixture between, a, you know, there is a, a key religious element, you know, that, that, that is here. I, I am a high priest. Mm. But it is also a, a, a witchcraft. We are working magic. And, and the two weave in and out in a, in a way that you can't separate them, or at least, you know, not for us. I always have a bit of a, you know, just a, a bit of a cognitive kind of shift and, and, and puzzled look on my face when people talk about like being Wiccan but 
but not being a witch. Yeah. To me, that doesn't make sense. Clearly it does to them and that's fine, but, you know, that's not my experience at all. Mm. Um, Everything we do um, is, is, you know, woven with magic Mm. and, and the gods are a part of that as well. I mean, and a part of us, and we just we we do our thing. <laughs> um, you know, you, you you read some of the earlier books, you know, books by Doreen Valiente, books by Stuart Farrow, Stuart and Janet when they were writing, and they, these are all books that I think most of us will have come across. You know, from the seventies onwards, and, and devoured. <laughs> and, you know, and, and that will give you a a broad stroke picture of, of what traditional wicker is like, um, bearing in mind that, you know, there are things that haven't been published, there are things that people can't say. Um, and also, you know, every group, every coven is going to be, you know, ever so slightly different. They each have their own different emphases. Um, they each have their own, you know, personal little bits that have been added um, that, that kind of define who they are, Um and, you know, there were always going to be family similarities and bits and pieces that are shared because, hey, this recipe's cool. <laughs> this works really well, guys. Hey, you might want to try that. Um, but, but yeah, you, you, it's just, it's what we do. Um, there's a, it's, yeah, it's just really, really hard to describe. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, are there, are there things like, you know, for instance, I'm sitting here thinking and I could be wrong, but like things jump to mind for me, which is like someone who has a lot of Wiccan friends, which is like mm. three degrees, high priest, high priestess, a circle, yep. elements, yep. God, the, God, the God and the goddess, like things like that. Could you speak to some of that maybe? Some of that? Um, well, yeah, I mean, all of those kind of elements are, are really well documented in, in a lot of the books. Um, and books that have been written by initiates and, and published for decades now. And they're, they're, they're largely, um, I guess, considered universal. You know, there is absolutely, you know, goddess of the moon, horned god. Um, they're, they're like the two key figures, although the, the first thing you're going to get get sort of like caught with there then is, is oh, so, you know, you do atheists. Well, yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> um, Wicker pins down like how we work, and Wicker describes you know our, our family and our lineage. It doesn't tell us what to think. So you'll meet Wiccans who are um, you know like absolute hard hardest of hard polytheists. Others that are a much more monist, um, like you know all gods are one god, all goddesses are one goddess, and there is one initiator, ideal fortune, um, and and pretty much. Everything in between. Um, personally, I, ask me after every circle; it might be a bit different. What my take is, because um, it, it, it all—it's it, all driven by experience. Um, I, I don't, for a minute, think that I can understand the divine. You know, this brain just can't do that. Um, you know, we, we can't. Anytime we try intrinsically, you're putting limits around something that is limitless. Um, it, it's all about that mystery experience. It's all about the numinous. Um, and it's expressed far better in poetry, um, in, in art, than it is in theology. Um, you know, it, it can often, the, the things that you experience can seem contradictory, but, you know, that's just the way it is. Um, so I'm, I'm perfectly happy with a quite 
you know, pantheistic worldview where spirit is imbued in everything, um, or, or panentheist even. But at the same time, you know, treating gods as 100% discrete individuals because, you know, that's only polite. Um, <laughs> I love you know, it. So true. Yeah. You, you, you don't want to go upsetting them. To, you watch you know. your P's and Q's. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, but one of the one of the interesting things um, is to get to get back is like the, the four quarters and, and the elements, and that's another really, um, really common one. But you, you don't tend to find the elements side of it stressed anywhere near as much in in some of the really earliest texts. And you know, like that, it's almost like that's something that's that's crept in a bit later, um, not much later, but but potentially a bit later in in the history and development of it all. Um, but yeah, you know, there's an overlay. There's there's a mixture of stuff that's come from folk folklore, folk magic, um, clearly been influenced by um, you know, like historical witchcraft kind of treatises, especially ironically from Scotland and the continent rather than necessarily England, um, but. Um, there's a lot, there's a huge foundation of, of, of stuff that's woven through from, from the more like, you know, Western mystery tradition broadly. I mean, the, the impact of um, occultists from orders like the Golden Dawn is, is huge, you know, across the entire occult scene at the time. And, and that, that flows through, um, you know, basically any kind of occult, magical or witchcraft activity that, that's derived or grown up in England from that era, um, you know that that kind of DNA is there. So it's it's a mixture of all sorts of different things. Um, circles, yes, yes. <laughs> you'll find you'll find people talking about casting the circle. Um, I know I've, I've seen a lot of, um, I guess, a lot of discussion around the you know like casting a circle versus drawing a compass or whatnot that tends to be a, a phrase used in, in other like forms of witchcraft. And, you know, I'm sure that there are, you know, quite distinct little differences that, that float through them, be it, you know, concepts behind it possibly or, or, or forms of practice. But at the same time, it still seems to me to be ultimately that whole business of, of demarcating um, or awakening space around you and, and effectively either sacralizing it or, or recognizing for yourself its sacral nature. And, and it becomes a template, um, a template for, I guess, you know, that whole microcosm, macrocosm, you know, the, the entire universe in a, you know, in the room around you kind of thing. It's, it, it brings everything into balance um, and, you know, and, and it's from that point of balance that magic works. Mm, beautifully said. Ow. <laughs> As I knock myself out. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was overcome. You know, that was, that was very um, excellent, yeah, Andrew. Thank you. I was, I was in that room. That's why I wasn't watching what I was doing here. Mm. It is interesting. I actually literally just before I came to the studio was teaching um, 
like a course, well, not, it was just a two-hour class. It was a free class on ritual craft. And I actually went through different ways of entering into ritual space, awakening Mm. space and deepening into space and talked about, I've had no traditional Wiccan training, but I have been taught how to cast circles by various kinds of witches. And I also have been taught how to open the compass. And Mm -hmm. there are definitely cosmological um, distinctions. And I would agree with you that we head to a same place. It, it, um, it also depends, you know, some, some traditions don't work with the cardinal directions. Some traditions, um, are more into the idea of orienting to what is there in the place. Like there is a mountain, there is a river, there is the sea. And that the compass ends up becoming about dissolving into the, the, luminous land and and mm-hmm. that's why we probably go anti-clockwise or witticians no matter which hemisphere we were in because we're more interested in turning against what the custom is in the exoteric sense and that's mm-hmm. why you'll find um like folk references to that and even continual folk practice of of turning witticians around a ring of stones um to enter Absolutely. fairy and that is you know you know that 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 idea of fairy or the good neighbors or the shining ones is so linked to witchery in in its folkloric sense. It's so much so that the that the French word fairy actually was used to mean witch. So so I think that's a really interesting thing to ponder. And I think it's all like for me when I because I'm because I have several um, uh, traditions I work in, and when I think about the differences and the distinctions for me, it's yes, it's about family. It's about, um, that's primary. These are my family. This is my magical family. Um, I can go to another country and they're my cousins. And even though the form of the ritual may be slightly different, the spirit is not, and the signatures and the names are the same. Um, and so we can, we can do like ritual together. Um, and that is true across the traditions I'm in. So my perception of Wicca though, although this could be, I think you've already elucidated that it is distinct as well, that every line has a bit of a distinction, Uh, but I have heard Wiccans talk about orthopraxy a lot. Yes. Um, and so maybe, maybe in traditional Wicca, there's more orthopraxy than there is say in Anderson Ferry or reclaiming a wildwood. I think there might be more orthopraxy there. I'd suspect so. Um, orthopraxy is, a, is an interesting concept. Um, and I think it, I mean, it's, it's sprung up in, in part um, as, as a way to try and describe, you know, how you define yourself and your practice when not, not only is there no orthodoxy, but effectively there can't be an orthodoxy. There is no concrete theology. There is no one way that we are told you have to see the gods in this way. It's just not the way it works. This is a mystery path. Um, You see the gods how you experience them. And different people can come away from exactly the same event, exactly the same experience with different understandings of it. Um, and, And so like trying to pin it down by we believe X, Y, Z, just, you know, you can't do it. But when it comes to the way we work, yeah, there's a, I guess it's like, it's like a cookbook, <laughs> a recipe book for, for how you work that, you know, we all share. Now, that's almost, you know, in the what, I do hell, 70 years or something now that, that, that since, you know, Gardner first sort of started publishing books, people have added stuff. That, that's, 
inevitable. People's own experiences have, have grown into that um, and, and been passed on. But we all share that one more or less starting place. Mm. And so there's a heck of a lot that's common. Um, there might be different words every now and again. There, there might be, you know, nuances. People might do, you know, you know, you, you, you like the, I don't know, you like the older candles at this point or, oh, no, but we do it at this point. But, you know, that's it's like great, a bit of variety. Oh, I like the oh, You've got a red candle there. Why do you do that? Oh, cool. Um, you know, that kind of thing. There, there will be differences, but there's so much more that's shared and common that, like, you know, I've I've worked in circle with, with witches in, in the UK, well, Wiccan witches in, in the UK, um, and, you know, absolutely, you know, things are a bit different, but it's still absolutely 100% recognisably home. You can still it's, find your way, yeah. Absolutely. And feel it's, at home, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it, it's like, yeah, yeah, we've gone to our cousin's house now. It's our extended family. That's what I was just thinking. Yeah. yeah. Things and, and are done we, just a little different. Yeah, but 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 very, very similar um, overall. Mm. And, like, I think orthopraxy is also a bit of a trap. You know, if, if, if people take it too literally, then you start saying, well, hang on, you did this at, you know, at this point, not at that point, so you can't be one of us. Yeah. And that, that's kind of rubbish. I, well, that kind of defeats the purpose of being a, a practitioner of magic, doesn't it? I think I joke a lot in this shop where I'm like, if we wanted bloody rules, we'd go to fucking church. So stop witch-splaining to everybody mm. and just do what what comes natural, thing. right? Yeah, yeah, you, you do your <laughs> do thing. Do your we, business. We, yeah, you know, we we have a tradition where, you know, we, we've been given a bunch of stuff mm. as a starting point. Mm. Uh, you know, like that, that, I guess that metaphor, that, that referring to it as a, a bit of a cookbook, mm. um, that's, you know, I've heard interviews with Gerald Gardner where he, he kind of, spoke of it in that same way this is this is you know a starting point it's mm. not the be all and end all mm. you know th- this is what you build your practice on and that gives us a foundation yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a good solid foundation but you know you're not i mean well some people may happily continue just working in that foundation and that's perfectly cool mm. but you know, it's also perfectly cool and, and expected that you take that and you, you know, you build on it. Your your own personal interactions with deity, with spirits of place, mm. your own experiences weave their way into your practice, and and that that doesn't like invalidate that. Just enriches. Yeah, strengthens um, it. Yeah, especially when you know you, you go halfway around the world. <laughs> You know, jump jump into a circle with a, another bunch of people, and it's like, oh yeah, I'm home. Yeah. And yeah, it's that, that's one of the strengths, I guess, of um, of the, the, the traditional or any tradition really is you've got this starting point, um, which which really is great because trying to figure out everything for yourself from scratch is hard work. Um, mind you, it's hard work regardless. But, you know, <laughs> it would be even harder work. But, but also, you know, you've got this community. Um, you've got these kin that are all scattered all around the world um, with all sorts of really interesting stories and perspectives, and it's, it's just lovely to be able to, to share amongst a community in that way. 
Speaking as a um, a high priest here in Australia, in Oz, um, mm-hmm. what what is your immediate community like? What is what is well, what is kind of the face of Gardnerian uh, witchcraft in Australia? <laughs> Again, just Pretty your cool. just your idea, <laughs> your perspective. Not speaking for everyone, but yeah, yeah how do you see it uh, in twenty twenty? Um, really small <laughs> still, yeah. um, but it, it's a really small but but really quite tight knit community. Um, you know, everyone knows everybody. Um, we all, you know, pretty much get along really well. Um, there's some lovely, lovely people. Um, but it, but it is it's a, it, especially for for gardening craft. It is a really small community here at the moment. Um, it, it first came to Australia in late 80s, I think it was, an English high priestess um, came and moved to Sydney. And, um, and you know, so there's there's a, a quite a vibrant little community in Sydney um, and she then moved to Melbourne. Well, you know, they're, they're, there's a very small <laughs> community in Melbourne. Um, she moved to Hobart and or... Um, you know, there's a couple of people down there, and um, she's back in the UK again now. Uh, I was going to be visiting her this year, but uh, hello, COVID nineteen. Yeah, <laughs> the new reality. Yeah, so called. And um, as far as you can say, what's it like? I I, I think of this a lot because I have inherited mm. traditions that um, don't come from this continent. Um, mm. Like, what is it like to bring? to work British Wicca in Aboriginal land um, and in, and in a country mm-hmm. like Australia. It's, it's a, that's, that's a, another like really interesting question. And it's, it's so weird in, in some ways. Um, it, it's a fascinating experience down here. I mean, you know, like for a start, everything just feels topsy turvy. Um, the, the seasons are reversed. Well, that's fine. We just roll with the seasons. Um, the, the, the place of darkness. Um, well, that ain't the north. We don't have a pole star. We don't have have that cold, dark north. Um, and in fact, in a lot of Australia, you, you know, that the the fact that you know that that northern quarter is is like almost unconsciously associated with darkness um, is lost. On us, and, and we don't tend to think of the south in the same way because I guess we're a bit further towards the equator for the most part. Um, and I guess unless you're down in you know like the south of Tasmania, you know we don't really notice that you know real massive lengthening of days or lengthening of nights in winter. That experience is a bit different here. Um, and then of course you've got the whole feeling of the land itself because like this is a very different land. Um, you know, it's it's a beautiful land. It's a wild land. It's a, it's a land that that you know can really catch your soul, um, but it's it's definitely not you know the the gentle woods of England. Um, <laughs> it's it's an interesting an interesting thing, and and to to kind of be aware of the spirit of place. Um, and it's a spirit of place where we, we've got such a complex and convoluted history here. I mean, you know, the effectively European invasion, um, the, the displacement and, and suppression of the indigenous communities, the, the massive loss of, of life and culture there, 
um, you know, that, that's, that echoes in the land. Um, the, I've, I've, like, around, you know, central Victoria, um, there are some lovely and, and really quite powerful places um, that, that have, for the most part, like, felt really quite welcoming. Um, but, you know, I, I wouldn't do anything with, with you know, like Indigenous um, Indigenous cultural traditions. I, I don't know them. I'm not Indigenous. It's not my place to do that. Um, you know, so I work with the land in our own terms. Um, you know, come to it as a stranger and, and let it speak to us and, and you know, d- develop a relationship with the land in that way. Um, at the same time, you know, like that, that, that wanted God, you know, generally seen with, you know, stag antlers or, 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 you know, goat horns or sheep horns or bull horns even. Um, don't have horned animals here. <laughs> don't have animals with hooves. Well, not native to this country. Um, but what I can say is that, you know, you, you, you walk into some of these old pine plantations or um, I, I live not that far from a hundred and something year old oak plantation um, was originally planted for, for cork, I think, um, and never harvested. And it's just, it's, it's a state park now, beautiful spot, but you, you walk through these and, you know, old Orny's there, mm. um, you know, the, the, our, the, this land is so redolent with, with indigenous um, history and indigenous spirituality and, and, and spirit of place. But we also brought our own with us when we came. Mm. And um, they seem to get on all right from what I've seen. Um, far, far better than the people do. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's all about trying to build a, I guess, a respectful um, relationship with the land. And to my way of thinking, you know, you need to be trying to build a respectful relationship with the people as well. Um, you know, the, the, the suppression of, of, of Indigenous history, the, the rewriting of, of the colonisation of this country is, um, you know, it's, it's pretty hideous really when you top, stop and think about it. And, you know, it's ongoing to this day. I mean, it was only the other day I probably must have made some rather uh, ill-judged comments to, to the effect of, you know, no slavery in Australia. And he's, he's backtracking saying, oh, I meant African-American slavery. Well, that, that doesn't make it any better. <laughs> yeah, we, we've we been speaking about that. Um, what, can, what can you say? I mean... Well, the, there are no words. It, nobody can be that ignorant. It feels um, intentional and in, intentionally hurtful at this time. Um mm to not simply acknowledge the past, uh, yeah. but, yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. No, so. I agree with the way that you were describing that. I think we've had similar discussions on this podcast talking about um, as witches working in in um, traditions that originate in Europe or originate mm. in from, you know, colonies, um, that we are strangers and that we should enter certain areas, especially in the bush, 
um, with great respect and reverence and feel them out as well. We know mm. where we should walk and where we shouldn't and where, which is a design to be in tune with nature. So we should, we should automatically be understanding that. Doing that. But Absolutely. yeah, no, it's beautiful the way you put that because it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I hope, I hope people listening, you know, take that on board. Yeah. And if this is the um, first episode you've come across of our podcast, if you go back to like five or six, you'll We're find, Sal, yeah, you'll find um, an episode where we spoke to Sal, who is a um, Nagarago woman and a UN woman who's also a reclaiming and wildwood witch. And she speaks very eloquently about place and country <clears throat> um, and how, and how, some protocols, some general protocols that you, that one ought to take into into mind and heart with with mm. this with this work because there are places that um, we as non indigenous people and also particular Aboriginal people who aren't from that place mm. um, ought mm. not ought not to be working in and maybe it's a men's sacred site or a women's sacred site mm. or a birthing yeah. place and it's not a good idea to be going to these places and layering on foreign magic. I feel like it's our duty really as, as witches to, to be aware of these things and to start implementing these protocols and be, be much more culturally aware and talk, talk more openly about it. And that's what we're hoping to do here. But yeah, exactly what you said. So I'm curious then, cause I do occasionally come across, um, younger seekers and people who are witches mm. um, or who want to learn what that means, who are interested in Gardnerian and or Alexandrian crafts. So I'm wondering um, what you would recommend them to do before they find a coven or a high priest. Where do priest. we send the baby witches, Andrew? Where do we send the baby witches? Because they're out there. Yes. yes they're thirsty. They Mm, read books um, because what books? You're read, kidding, Andrew. What? No, no. Read, read books. Um, <laughs> book in nature. Um, but there's there's plenty of resources out there. There are actually, and I, I, you know, Facebook seems at times like such a problematic entity. Mm. Um, it, it's it's a convoluted. And, and difficult platform with all sorts of like, inherent issues, but it's also ubiquitous. Um, and, and there are some really good groups out there um, where, you know, you can, you can find this, there's uh, both Gardnerian and Alexandrian specific um, Facebook groups that are designed to put people seeking in touch with initiates in, in their area. Um, and, there's one that the Gardnerian Wicca Seekers and Initiates group um, named exactly that. I like, absolutely recommend that one. Uh, and there's another that's just replaced Gardnerian with Alexandrian. Um, there are there are like more more groups out there on Facebook than than you could poke a stick at. It, it's it's almost like a jungle. The, the problem is actually sorting the wheat from the chaff and finding you know finding groups that that actually are the flavour or, or the the influence or, or the style that you're looking for as a seeker, I guess. Um, but on the plus side, it doesn't really matter what style of witchcraft you're looking for. There's probably going to be at least a dozen different groups on Facebook that cater to it. Um, and and like that, that's another one of the big starting points. Like one once upon a time, you'd say witchbox. Well, that's gone. <laughs> um, and it seems like, you know, the Facebook has taken over. Um, 
but you know, for, for all that, that there are some great groups there. Um, I, I'd always say, you know, when it comes to books, read widely. You know, really read widely. Um, if, if it's Gardner and Wicker you're interested in, read Gardner, read Doreen Valiente, read Patricia Crowther, read you know some of these, you know, Vivian Crowley, um, some of these names. Um, the, the, the early published authors because they'll give you a great feel. If it's Alexandrian witchcraft you, you're interested in, well, go away and read um, Stuart Farrow or, or the books that Stuart and Janet, Janet yeah. Yeah, um, and, and, and like, you know, later Janet Farrow and Gavin Bone. Um, there's, you know, Sarita Dest and David Rankin and there's some really, really good books out there. There's an awful lot that's more generic, that's more... Um, more lightweight or, or, or more eclectic or more um, whatever your, your, your fancy is. So read all, read, read everything you can get your hands on um, because each each book you read, each person that you talk to in one of these Facebook groups or whatever, that, that feeds you information that helps you decide what particular flavour it is that may be calling you. Um, but I guess the other... The other thing I tend to stress is for all that, um, it's the people that make it. So you really, really want to make sure that you you gel well with the people. Um, it, it's it's a path where you know you're, you're working magic together. You're you're experiencing stuff in ritual, and it, it, if you're doing it right, it, it's it's deep. And it's personally affecting, and it's really intimate. It's um, you know you you are exposing yourself um, and, and experiencing things in a really deep and emotional way. Uh, you want to be doing that with people that you really, really like, respect, and trust. So um, the single most important thing is find the right people. Um, the avenues for doing that are the same. But don't, don't, you know, hold out, you know, make sure it's right. Don't just jump for the first coven you find um, just because they happen to be local because they may not be the right group for you. Yeah, it took me um, three, across the period of seven and a half years, it took me, I had three different fairy teachers. Like, mm. and, I, and I did get stuff, stuff from each of them, but I, towards the end, I think it was five years into that seven and a half years, it was like, you know, cause it's longer often training cause we only have one initiation, blah, blah, blah. It's a whole different conversation. But, um, you know, it took, <laughs> it took me, it took me a while to figure it out. Oh, it's you, you're going to be my initiator <laughs> because mm-hmm. that's a big deal for me in initiatory craft. I'm thinking, do I trust and love and can I surrender to this person? Um, and, and knowing that they have my best interests at heart, heart. you know, so that's a big deal for me when it comes to initiating and Mm. being, having received initiation into lineages. Um, the other thing that I want to get to that I think would be good to talk to in this episode is the issue of gender and, um, like transgender individuals who I know, I know some transgender high priests and priestesses in, in Gardnerian witchcraft. So they're there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so I'm curious about the ever, maybe you have an opinion on the evolution of that in Gardnerian craft because it hasn't always been easy from what I can tell. Um, 
And because you do, I, from what I from what I know, you have roles for priests and roles for priestesses. I've heard that anyway. Um, so, so I'm wondering about that 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 circumstance in your craft. Well, it's that's it's really an ongoing discovery in a way. Um, like, like any group of people, you know, any any social club or um, you know, or any other kind of religion, you, you, you're made up of all sorts of different people. Um, often the only thing that you may have in common, you know, across the entire community is, is your love um, for this particular form of craft. So you get people from all sorts of um, political persuasions and man, can't that make for some fun conversations. <laughs> um, but, but you, but you get, um, you get people who are, are really quite conservative in their views and then some who are really quite, what liberal and open to, to new ideas and it's it's a dynamic tension but it's, it's a tension that's always been there um you know the the, the very early members of Gardnerian craft were really quite you know middle class conservative people um which which seems really weird when you're when you're talking about um you know this secretive witchcraft <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and and it I think it goes to show in a way that no matter how outwardly conservative people are, um, or, or the reverse, you just never quite know what's going on inside. It's the quiet ones um, you've got to watch. Absolutely. Still waters run <laughs> Still, uh-huh. <laughs> But um, it, it's an ongoing conversation. I mean, there, there, there are absolutely trans people in, in the craft, um, in, in Gardnerian craft. Um, there are many who are openly welcoming of that. Um there are some who aren't, and you know it, it is one of the the sources of, of heated discussion <laughs> um, that that is still ongoing. But um, pretty much everybody I've personally like worked with or, or spoken with at any great length tends to be, you know, socially quite progressive, and you know this. We'll take people as we find them. Um, at the end of the day, you know, you are who you are. You know, I don't. So I'll trust you to tell me who, who you are and, you know, and we'll work with that. Um, in, in many ways, I think the, the non-binary is in some ways more of a challenge um, because, you know, yeah, there, there is this, perception of, of um, rigid gender roles and the reality is maybe a little more fluid than, than people understand but um, but it is there you know there are priests there are priestesses what do you do with someone who doesn't identify with either and that, that's where covenant autonomy is a beautiful thing mm. um, because if if you found the right group for you then they'll welcome you for who you are and work with you and you know it's it's just you find the right people um but yeah there's no overall Gardnerian position I don't know that there could ever be an overall Gardnerian position on anything um because at the end of the day we are all individual witches Um, this is true of any any tradition I just think it's an interesting Mm. one when it comes to guardcraft because of because of the maybe the the whole um, 
Yeah, you know, like uh, <laughs> priest and priestess. And um, sometimes it seems from what I can see and from what I've heard, like the cross-gender initiation, whereas in other mm-hmm. tra- traditions, there is no talk of that. Mm-hmm. And so I guess yeah. I get, like in fairy, like like there's just no, it's not a thing. So I guess that becomes, because that's a, um, a secret or sacred, mm-hmm. because that's a sacred teaching or a part of the thread, mm-hmm. it feels like that creates maybe attention as you have alluded to. Mm-hmm. And attention yeah, that, um, that others are aware of. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. And, and, you know, it depends on how literally people take some of this stuff. Um, and, 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 I mean, ultimately, how do people define, you know, gender? How do people define sex? So th- these are a broader societal issue society is grappling with. Um, and, you know, you know, any form of witchcraft, certainly Gardnerian witchcraft isn't immune from that. Mm. Um, but it's it, it's still an, yeah, an ongoing discussion. I mean, what, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, the ongoing discussion was probably more li- likely around the inclusion of gays. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, there's, there's a perception that, you know, Gardnerian craft is inherently homophobic, which is like <laughs> realistically when you know Gardnerians is quite laughable because, you know, there are just so welcoming of, you know, of, of the gay community and, and there are many really fine gay and lesbian priests and priestesses um, have been virtually since the very first days. But, you know, there are definitely bits and pieces there that when you look at them um, are the product of a 1940s very homophobic state um i mean this this was a world and a country where at that point in time not only was it illegal to be a witch you know like that witchcraft act wasn't repealed until 51 i think it was um but it was also illegal to be homosexual you know (laughs) it's um the fact that this is when you know what we we now know of as gardner and wicker really like crystallized um, there are definitely like historical bits and pieces that, that reflect that period in time. But, you know, the, the community as a, as a whole has absolutely moved on from that. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I just feel like in 20 years' time, this whole um, conversation around trans, trans rights and whatnot, you know, again, it will certainly within, within, the, within the craft, it'll, it'll, what was all the fuss over? You know, we, we will look back on it um, and think, why Why did anybody have a problem with that? Mm. Um, although that said, I note that the, uh, you know, the, the you know, LGBTQ plus rights are still very much a problematic issue, um, you know, worldwide. Worldwide, yeah. yeah. You know, we, we, we see that as a, as a real you know, it is. It's, it's, you know, these are human rights, um, and but there's still persecution. There's, there's you know, persecution everywhere. Um, so, you know, it pays to be, I guess, vigilant and, and to have these discussions. You know, they can be difficult discussions, but they can be had and they can be had quite, um, you know, politely and sensibly. And, you know, it's a societal issue that, I think the world in general is is having to work through. I I would like to think that you know um, we as witches are, are far more open to working through that in a much more um, rapid and, and positive way than 
than, than we see some of our conservative politicians doing. You hope so. Mm. Yeah, and, <laughs> and largely that's what I see, but yeah. occasionally, like, you know, I want to make it clear that I have have had big conflicts and small issues with people in my own traditions too around all kinds of things. Like every, in every group of people, as you've mentioned, there are, I don't know, to be frank, nitwits or numpties. But, <laughs> but like I, I don't want like... Tell us how you really feel. And, you know, and, you know, so sometimes I'm going to bring up something intense in one of my traditions and it's going to be intense for some people, like especially around Ooh. issues of anti-racism or um, cultural appropriation. And, 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 yeah, and, and it's going to make people really squeamish and, mm-hmm. you know, and... Yeah, so it's the, the different groups are going to face different issues based on how those groups have evolved, their histories, where they come from, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and for individuals too, like their own personal backgrounds. I mean, you know, people who have had a, you know, relatively affluent, privileged white life, um, some really just don't kind of see the racism that's inherent in in their positions, um, you know, or the sexism or, or you know, or, or the latent homophobia or transphobia or whatever. Um, and it's not that they're necessarily bad people, but they've never really confronted that. Um, when you start having those discussions, there are a lot of people that become really quite uncomfortable. But... To me, that just says it's a discussion worth having. Exactly right. I think that's uh, perfect for this moment too in time and in history. And if you are a little uncomfortable, then it's probably the best place Lean for you to in. be right now. Yeah, that's it. And as witches, we should be leading the, leading the four. Well, yeah. As, as leading witches, the charge. Yeah. We should. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we in, inhabit those liminal spaces. Yeah. We, we, we step outside the societal norms. Mm-hmm. Um you know, these are the characteristics of a witch. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you are you you are walking in the shadows. You are what well, are straddling those hedges. You are, yeah. you know, riding the night wind. Yeah. And this is, you know, this is the place where magic happens, and sometimes that's unpredictable. It's almost always Always. <laughs> I think what's marvellous listening to you, Andrew, and others of my Gardnerian and Alexandrian friends has been that for a while because I came to the craft and there was a strict split um, when uh, 20 years ago when I started meeting people who were saying they were Alexandrians and who were saying they were traditional witches, there was a split between <laughs> these groups. But the more I've um, spent time in ritual space, because some of my own initiates are Gardnerians, and um, the more I hear you speak, your poetic way, your beautiful mystical way, um, and I love that, I, 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 I suddenly, well, it's, I've, I've known this for a while, but, but um, it's clear to me we're all witches, you know? Yeah. Like I don't, I, I don't really in my mind or heart go, Gardnerians are over here, we're over here. Like that just doesn't, not really how I roll. Um, I, I, I once thought that, I did once think that, and um, and it quickly moved once I started realising where that was coming from. Mm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's true. I mean, the, the traditional witchcraft scene is, is not one I'm particularly plugged into, although I find it fascinating. Um, but, you know, from, from an historical perspective, you, you had... Gardner publishing in 51 and then 53 or something. Um, 
shortly thereafter, you started having these other voices pop up, you, you know, the Taliesin and, and Robert Cochran and, and whatnot, and these, these conversations backwards and forwards. And, of course, as is human, so much of it seemed to, to focus on, you know, who's more legitimate or authentic than, than the other. But at the end of the day, the, you know, it is all witchcraft. And what what I see traditional witchcraft doing that that mysticism, the poetry, the, the attempt to connect back to historical witchcraft practices um, and and to older currents of magic. Well, that's exactly what you know Gardner and indeed the people before him were doing as well. Mm. I mean, they were convinced they were the reincarnation of you know witches who had been killed. You know, that, that, they were absolutely dead set certain of that. They had past life memories, the works. Um, and the, the only difference I see is that these days people who are doing that research have got much better stuff to <laughs> to, to work with than Margaret Murray. Um, They're not those it, little kids in the library impulse. anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but, but it's that same impulse. It's that same, you know, mystical awakening that's, that's, that's driven all these different expressions of witchcraft and you know i i think yeah at a very fundamental layer we are all witches you know it's it's one big family it's just that you know you've got different different families with their different ways of you know baking their sunday roast <laughs> i love it so true well um andrew i just want to thank you so much for um sharing your time with us and being a part of the antipode nuts podcast we'd love to have you back another time because i want to pick your brain on scottish folklore <laughs> i think we could spend hours on that yeah, alone um Absolutely. so but yeah thank you so much for being with us oh you're very welcome thanks for having me thank you andrew Mwah, everyone love you guys <laughs> blessings on the hill that lay beneath the wolf sky Felt the dark clouds falling And omen apparition And with the thunder rolling Our how preceded the storm We lay beneath the wolf sky We lay beneath the wolf sky This has been the Antipodean Arts Podcast Music by Wendy Rule The song is Wolf Sky <laughs> <laughs>